Welcome to Say That, the podcast for your big questions, get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago. Joining us here this week is Glenn Fitzgerald. Yeah, okay. Also joining us, Jed Brewer. Hello! Not with us this week, regular co-host from Oak Ridge, Lee Younger. He is out tonight. I assume you're booing his absence and not him. I, I am. I'm booing okay. his absence. Because he, he's, he's not here because he, he's ill. It's not COVID. That's the that's thing you have to say whenever someone's ill. Here Absolutely. in 2022, or as I like to think of it, 2020 part three. <laughs> uh, so he, he is, he is at home resting up from a non pulmonary situation, but we, we wish him well. And just to be clear, Jed is booing his illness, not him. Yeah. Booing the absence would have been an amazing Depeche Mode record. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So many drum machines. <laughs> we are going to press on. We are going to answer some of your fantastic questions that came in. But first, we're going to declare a cancellation emergency. What? Whoa. It's an emergency? Now, you out there, dear listener, you may have heard of people being canceled, uh, struck down, ridiculed for their, their outrageous views, their, their uh, dangerous ideas. As the hilarious uh, viral tweet put it, I'm being persecuted for my conservative ideas. You mean like low taxes and a lax regulatory state? No. Which conservative ideas? You know the ones. <laughs> so we've got a bit of that going on with a previous emergency subject and all around a worship leading dingbat. Uh, Brother Sean pronounced my last name very carefully. Fuked. I can't think of other ways to say that name. Me neither. <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, from his, his own Twitter bio, a uh, lover of Jesus, husband, father, recording artist, author, founder of, quote, let us worship, hold the line, light a candle, and burn 24-7. I like to think that that last one is his workout program, but it's probably like just another weird anti-mask protest thing. Yeah. But I like the idea of he's just trying to be all the types of influencers at once. <laughs> yeah. So we've got that going on. Um you if if you recall he uh he was last seen going around uh holding worship services in places that were massive covid hotspots where the whole hook was we're not going to wear a mask and you'll be shocked to know that uh we're still in a pandemic so that's going awesome. Yeah. But he uh, he tweeted uh last week just got a call from my book publisher at HarperCollins, and they're canceling my book because of my political views. What? This is nuts. And then what appears to be a head-exploding emoji. <laughs> then he followed that up with, don't worry, this will clearly work out for my good. It always does. Exciting announcement coming soon. Oh, oh, great. Well, I, I don't feel bad at all. Case closed. I appreciate that bit of exegesis that apparently when... Uh, Paul wrote Romans eight twenty eight. He wasn't talking about like uh, authoritarian state cracking down on your views or being thrown in jail for being the wrong ethnicity or any of that. He was talking about getting your book publishing contract canceled because of things you said. Yeah, yeah. And when we say book publishing contract canceled, before we started recording, Jed shared an interesting fun fact that he found. Yeah, apparently after he made that that. Um assertion uh, a person reached out to harper collins uh who clarified we did not have a signed agreement with mr fuked 
Well, it was not what you call a contract. It was something you would describe legally as contract-ish. <laughs> <laughs> and that that's a tragedy right there. I mean, to have a contract canceled, that's probably because there's like a clause in it or something. But it's like we're we're thinking about giving you a contract, and then it's like, oh no, no, thank you. And that's you know that's a lot to deal with. But apparently, it's all going to be great. So sure, it's all going to work out, man. That's you know I'm I'm glad to hear it. Well, it also opens up a whole new uh, grift angle on the getting canceled thing because clearly a big part of what's going on here is he's going to put out a book with some you know conservative, you know, rebel media dot eagle publisher. And he's trying to gin up interest in that by saying like, it's the book the liberals don't want you to read. Um, but the thing about that is the cool thing about that is now you can do that without actually having done the thing. You can be like the lady who wrote for the New York times and wanted to get in on that sweet, sweet, I've been canceled action, but they wouldn't fire her. So she quit and was <laughs> like, well, but they would have fired me eventually. So I think we can just, it's a cool new avenue for lies. You can be like, just tweet out, I'm sorry to inform you that uh, D- Warner Brothers has canceled my Matt King's contract to be in the next Batman movie. <laughs> I mean, we didn't have anything written per se, but I walk around my house doing the Christian Bale voice sometimes, so close enough. Well, my, my version of this that I would like to, to interject is... One time, like 15 years ago, weird but true, I was within shouting distance of Russell Simmons, uh, you know, the noted hip-hop producer. And so I could have yelled, Russell, please sign me and give me a record deal. And at that point, I mean, we're in negotiation now. Like right. an initial pitch sure, You've reached out made. to Russell Smith. Absolutely. We, we are, you know, we're, we're doing well. And then he canceled me. That's right. right. For your dangerous, seditious views. Well, yeah, I mean, because, you know, freedom of speech is very important. And as I understand it, freedom of speech means you have to like everything I say. Oh, yeah, that's exactly what it means. That's certainly what it means to a lot of people. You're you're not allowed to, like, say, ew, I don't like that because it's just kind of awful. That's persecution. Mm, Well, it makes me feel bad, so it must be. I, I can't imagine any other reason. What is persecution other than making someone who lives in the suburbs feel bad? (laughs) But so I went and did a little digging to see if I could figure out, uh, you know, because, you know, we want to hear people out. Does HarperCollins have some wild, anti-conservative, loony left agenda? So I clicked on their upcoming, uh, some upcoming books on their site. And if you click on the biography and memoir section on the front page of it, there's 16 books, two of which are by Fox news contributors. And one of which is by someone who's running for, for a Republican Senate seat in Ohio. (laughs) So there's that. But then if you click on one of the books by one of those Fox news contributors, it takes you to, and I'm not making any part of this up. Untitled Fox news book. Number four by Fox news personality. Number one. (laughs) <laughs> on sale March 29th, 2022. That sounds exciting. <laughs> I'm intrigued by the possibilities. They literally have just a just a production line of wackadoos from Fox News 
into the publishing. And then your Nana goes and buys it for herself and then asks if you want to read it. And you have to fake interest and then intentionally leave it behind before you leave the house. We all know how, the, how this goes. But then Glenn had a very good suggestion that maybe what uh, Mr. Fucht is implying is that uh, he may have had a contract with HarperCollins Christian publishing arm Zondervan. Now, obviously, if HarperCollins came out and said we had no contract with him of any kind, he, he's probably, you know, fibbing about that, too. But then I went over to Zondervan's website and I found something delightful. I'm at Zondervan. I'm in the Books tab. You have Reader Favorites, Browse by Subject, which you'd expect, Devotionals, Bible Study, Reference, Children's, whatever. And then there's their Collections. The kind of, if you want to get started here, you know, you can go to this. We've got Hispanic Heritage Month. We've got Overcoming Obstacles. We've got Stay-at-Home Activities, as you might expect during a pandemic. And then we've got Amish Fiction. Whoa, look out, everybody out of the pool, Amish Fiction. Now, is this like, I'm just going to project my first instinct of what Amish fiction might be. I can't see anything going wrong with that. It's like an Amish version of a bodice ripper, where it's like these romantic fictions, but it's very, very, very Amish, you know? Well, that's certainly what the covers would indicate. (laughs) Uh, Some titles here, An Amish Kitchen, An Amish Miracle. Mm. Seasons of an Amish Garden, which has to be a ham-fisted metaphor for something. An Amish Summer. Amish and... Fiction After Dark. Yeah, they... <laughs> oh, the... Hezekiah. <laughs> In they... the moonlight with the thing, you know. They do appear to be... Like, if someone had taken the cover of one of those bodice rippers and then, like, photoshopped all, photoshopped all the cloth back on everyone... <laughs> right, right, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, it's like it's like a really uh, you know muscle bound guy with no shirt churning butter. That's basically what I'm picturing is happening in these books. <laughs> yeah, I'm in. I'm. I've looked at an Amish heirloom, which features uh, is from the best selling author in the Amish genre. Come three stories. The first one is called "A Legacy of Love." Local volunteer firefighter Leon. Agrees to repair his ex-girlfriend Susie's grandparents' antique rocking chairs for her future home with her fiancé and is forced to acknowledge that his feelings for her have not quite gone away. As Susie spends time with Leon, she begins to recognize she is marrying the wrong man for all the wrong reasons. Mm. So volunteer firefighter refurbishes Amish, uh, Amish uh, furniture. That is, that is someone's wheelhouse. That's what makes it Amish is the furniture? I guess it doesn't specifically say that anyone in it is Amish. The woman on the cover certainly is. Maybe, maybe it's like, maybe it's like how in, uh, you know, the umpteenth Marvel movie they stop spoon food, spoon feeding it to you, and like, yeah, he's got a magic hammer, whatever. We don't have time. Like maybe we're just (laughs) jumping in too late in the series. They stop explaining all the Amish stuff. Yeah, it's hard to catch up. I think that's really the key thing. Oh, here we go. A treasured book. For the past two years, Shane Broyles has felt God leading him to join the Amish. He's staying with his friends Noah and Ivy in Birch Creek, Ohio, where he is reunited with Lucy Fisher, an old friend of Noah's family. Shane and Lucy have never revealed their feelings for each other, but when they stumble upon an antique Bible at a flea market, Mm. they feel drawn to each other in the mystery of the contents found within. 
steamy. <laughs> so, well, I, what I love about Amish fiction is everything's very romantic and done by candlelight because that's basically all they do is the candles. You say yeah. it's like they're having cured ham by candlelight. It's very romantic. I mean, yeah. cured ham is delicious. We don't want to underestimate oh, yeah. that that aspect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They are, you know, candles made from animal fat, so that kind of kills a little bit of the buzz. But, you know, it's still got a nice glow. Yeah. <laughs> and the main thing to take away from this is a company that has so many of these kind of books, they warrant their own featured section on the website, looked at, uh, Sean, at uh, Brother Sean there and said, Oh, we that's embarrassing. We don't want to be involved with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Harbor Collins says, We'll publish an all American Christmas by two Fox News contributors. But your thing is weird. Yeah. Look, nobody should be forced to say something enjoyable that we all like. It you know, I should be free to have no consequences behind me saying things that are kind of awful. That's that's what America's all about. With that, Glenn does put his finger on the idea driving pretty much all uh, society and politics in America in 2022, which is, hey, 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 hey. Nobody said there'd be consequences for me doing stuff. <laughs> That's terrible. I was raised my entire life to believe the opposite of that. And uh, maybe that explains a few things. And maybe it explains why so many, apparently, need the sweet, sweet escape of Amish fiction. Yeah. <laughs> and it's hard to blame them for that. And on that note, we will declare emergency off. If you would like to take a break from, I'm sure, your voracious Amish fiction reading and enjoy a little technology, you can join us for the Bridgecast every Sunday at 7 p.m. Central Time at our Facebook page, facebook.com slash thebridgechicago. If you do have an Amish ex-boyfriend uh, or girlfriend that you want to share that with, I guess you could kind of like print it off one uh, frame at a time and annotate it like a flip book <laughs> and send that to them. That'd be nice. I think they'd enjoy that. Uh, but if you're online, you can join us, facebook.com slash thebridgechicago. We're going to jump to our first question here. If you hang out with us all the way to the end, I'll give you some ways you can get in touch with us. Or you can scroll down into your episode description and click the links you find there. First question comes in and says, I have a follow-up question. In a recent episode, Jed talked about cultivating hope. Can you give me some examples on how to do that? As I don't think I was fully aware that I could grow my own. To turn a phrase that is in the actual question and Indeed. very, very well done. We, uh, we love all the questions we get in. We have a special fondness in our heart for the follow-up questions. So Jed, where would we start off? An excellent follow-up question. Indeed. Well, let's actually start by looking at how we would cultivate gratitude. Cause I think that's an idea that, that far more people are in touch with, but in case you're not kind of the thing that we're referencing here is that there are qualities of the spiritual life that I think many of us want, like gratitude or like hope. And it's easy for us to get in a place where we just kind of wait for them to materialize. Um, but I, there's a, an active role that we can play in cultivating those things. So if we want to cultivate gratitude, right, the way kind of most uh, disciplines related to that, what they really are, they boil down to is thinking about and expressing about things that are worthy of gratitude. It's not to say that you start by feeling grateful because, you know, 
uh, that's hopefully where we wind up. But we recognize that there are things that are worthy of gratitude. This this is a cool thing, whether I happen to have feelings about it at the moment or not. So I'm disciplining myself to take time to actively think about, I don't know, five things that, you know, I could be grateful for. But then a lot of the of those disciplines, uh, you're actually expressing about it, right? Like a gratitude journal is you're taking those five things, but you're actually writing three or four sentences about each of those things. I'm, I'm grateful for a warm cup of coffee, and then you got to write four sentences about it. The point of that is that you're not just going, oh, yeah, coffee, that's cool, I like coffee, but that you're taking time to kind of bask in and and really just dive into and just spend time and abide in that moment of appreciation. And that I think for a lot of people that happens more effectively, again, when they are actively expressing it rather than trying to to hold a feeling in, in their head, not that there would be anything wrong with trying, but so if that's what we do with gratitude, you know, we keep a gratitude journal, we think about things that are worthy of gratitude and then we express it out and that that helps to, to cultivate gratitude, which it does. I mean, it really super does. We can actually do something very similar with the idea of hope. Um, and I think there it is going to be about thinking and expressing, but I, I think the question that we're asking is in the same way that we are looking for things that are worthy of gratitude, what are the realities in your life that are worthy of hope, whether you feel hopeful in the moment or not? So realities about yourself and the person that you are and, and the strengths that you have and the talents that you have. What are realities about the world around you, whether in your specific context or in, in the broader world? What are ideas? What are realities that are, that are worthy of a response of hope? And then, of course, what are realities about God that are worthy of a response of hope? And so let, let's give an example together, right? Let's suppose that one of the things that was causing you to feel to, to not have a ton of hope was um, the environment uh, and global warming and that whole thing. Well, so we're going to work in reverse order here of God and the world and yourself, but just, you know, thinking aloud together, what are, what are things that I know are true that would be, it would make sense to have hope given that I, I do know that thing to be true. And so if you ask what about God could give me a sense of hope, what well, might be that God both made the world and actually cares about it, that, that God has ha- has asked people to be stewards of the earth. And so God made and sustains and cares about this place. There, there's a thing that you are concerned about, and there's great comfort in knowing that God is also concerned about that same thing. And that's a reality that is worthy of hope, because if God is concerned about it, if God cares about it, surely he has the ability to do something to help make it better. And that's a reason for hope. And it's and it's worth thinking about this and then writing it down and and expressing it, you know, either out loud or on paper of, what this thought means to me, you know, what's the reality about the world that might give you hope in the face of, of environmental change? And it might be that science is ever growing and there are all these super smart people that are figuring out things we've never known before and we've never had to do before. Well, that's, that's another really cool thing. It's an idea that is worthy of having a sense of hope, whether you feel that hope or not. And I think the more that you, you kind of talk it out and write it out, I think you're going to find yourself just like gratitude, um, developing and cultivating hope. One more very quick thing. This is going to work best if you do it on an ongoing basis. It's great to sit down and take some time uh, whenever you want, but the more that it's a regular thing, I think the more impact you're going to see in your life. Uh, It's an excellent place to start off. A lot of really cool stuff there. And Glenn, what do you have to add to that? Well, yeah, I I think uh, Judd's right on top of it. I I think 
I, in, in a lot of ways, I think uh, Christians need to uh, think maybe more often than they normally do about the, this world of vices and virtues, because I think it's, I think it's poorly understood in, in the sense that we think of uh, vices as things we sort of intrinsically have. You know, I think of myself as hopeful, or I think of myself as not hopeful, and I'm supposed to try to be hopeful within myself somehow, which is not how hope works at all. You know, that, that we have to go to God to receive hope. That's what happens. And when we do all the stuff that Jed is talking about and, uh, you know, cultivating that gratitude and, uh, you know, working the steps and, and making this situation uh, into a, a, the kind of thing we can be hopeful about in our minds, well, we, we've, we've exercised that hope. We've put it into action. We've applied it to our situation. We've, we've used it and consumed it. Uh, and the, when the next thing comes up, we need to go and get some more hope, and we need to work all these steps that uh, Jed's talking about. So uh, I think it's important to recognize that we have to make room for those virtues uh, as we pray for them and ask to receive them. Uh, I think there's, for a lot of us, I mean, I'll speak for myself, there, when I'm not in a hopeful place, most of the time that's because there's something else in the spot where hope would go. Uh, and that's generally a despair of some kind. Uh, I'm despairing about something. I've lost a sense of hope about it. I I feel overwhelmed about it. I think, you know, this is just a bad situation that's just going to be bad, and there's nothing about it that's going to turn around and make it be good. Uh, so I have that despair. But the despair is kind of pushing out where the hope would normally reside. It's it, it, Think of it like an electrical outlet where the hope would be coming through, but something else is plugged into it. You have to unplug this despair in order to connect to that hope. Uh, so I think uh, the you know the Bible talks about in in uh, Hebrews twelve this idea that we're running a race and and we're we're doing everything we can to live this virtuous Christian life, but it says to 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 cast off or throw off everything that entangles us uh, to to get rid of everything that hinders us. So it gets us you know thinking more in terms of. Um, recognizing that as we get rid of those things, as we get rid of that despair, as we cast it off, now we sort of have room uh, for that hope to come in. Uh, there isn't—in uh, in other words, to use another analogy, it's sort of like oil and water, that um, I can't hold these two states of being in the same mind and in the same place. Uh, so it's it's about recognizing these things war back and forth within me and doing exactly what Jeb was talking about, uh, getting a hold of thankfulness as a way of accessing this and, and gratitude and, and saying uh, the, this isn't as bad as my emotions tell me it is. I think if we can access that and we can excise that sense of despair now we have room to go to God and say, I, am, I have no hope right now. I want to be a hopeful person. I'd like to have a different attitude about this. I can't even figure out how that hope would make sense in this situation. 
I need you to help me see beyond the circumstances and beyond these things that are entangling me and holding me back so I can see things from your point of view. That's all great stuff from these guys. I would uh, add on to the end, kind of exactly on the vibe that Glenn is giving us there of, you know, what, what are you replacing hope with? Because, you know, uh, I really like, again, the phrase you put in the question of, I wasn't fully aware that I could grow my own hope. How are you at growing your own sense of despair? Yeah. Because I'm pretty good at that. Same here. Feels like it comes pretty naturally. So if you can flip the polarity on that, what do you do that grows your sense of despair? Do you, uh, do you obsess on the worst possible scenario? Do you think about every possible thing that could go wrong? Do you beat up on yourself when you do a little thing wrong that could contribute to something that you didn't see something coming? If, what if you just did the opposite of those? What if you focused on the things that went right instead of the things that went wrong? What if you, uh, let go worked on letting go on something instead of obsessing on it. Um, again, those are all skills. These guys are telling us, and those are all going to take time, but it's kind of the same set of muscles just pointed in a different direction. Uh, as, as Glenn was saying, you know, you may think of, well, I'm a hopeless person or I'm a down person is just kind of a, a, a fact of your nature. And certainly you might be wired towards that again. I know, I certainly can be, but to get to that end point, there are actions and thought patterns and things that are grooved on in there. So uh, flipping those around and the the things like the verse from Hebrews that Glenn gave us, you know, the verse about whatever is uh, praiseworthy or beautiful, you know, think on those things. Those are pretty good places to start if you want kind of a, a training wheels version of getting down that path. That's those are some great, great things to start with, along with what these guys gave you. Move on to our next question here. It comes in and says, I can struggle with my mental health. Should I be considering having children in the future despite this? Assuming I'm married, I worry about passing on my issues. And another awesome question. We always appreciate the uh the honesty. We always appreciate the vulnerability. And Jed, where would we kick this off? Well I think that this is a great uh question to have. And I think it's a great question for you to go and talk to a doctor about um, and to talk with a mental health professional about. I don't know the specifics of your situation, but um, both are a great idea. I think let's pull the camera back for a second and say when we have big, scary questions that we think we might even be afraid to ask, um, the really cool, amazing thing is to ask them like you have and then figure out who would really be able to speak to this in an authoritative way. And in the case of your particular big, scary question, that's, again, probably going to be a medical doctor as well as a mental health professional. And I'd strongly encourage you to, if it's possible for you, to get a second opinion in both cases. Uh, You're trying to make a big decision, and I think having a – certainly a plurality of voices, of expert voices pointing you in the right direction would be a very cool and very good thing. I also want to note I don't know the specifics of your situation, but – I want to note that issues around having children and can I have children, should I have children, um, are extraordinarily loaded. And there is so much pain for so many people in the world that, that relates to, um, to having children. And so 
One thing that we want to note as we're answering this question is you've asked a specific question that, that we do want to to speak to as at least as well as we can, but we don't want to to miss that. Again, this is an incredibly sensitive topic for so many people, and in giving some, well, I would do this and not this, we don't want to miss that emotional reality that I know this is incredibly, incredibly tough stuff, and there are no one-size-fits-all solutions, which I think is a lot of what has caused a lot of pain, particularly in the Christian world, when it comes to sensitive topics, is trying to say, there's, there's we got the one answer and you got to do it our way. We know this is tough stuff. Uh, we, we want to acknowledge that in in. The, with the particular question that you've asked again, I think that's going to boil down to uh, talking with a, a medical professional and a mental health professional. The one other thing I want to suggest to you that I think is worth looking at, because I don't know the specifics of the question that you're asking, and so this this might the following suggestion might not fit. It also needs to be acknowledged in the spirit of, of painful stuff uh, that there are economic realities that underscore some of this. If this were applicable to you, adoption is a beautiful, beautiful thing. Uh, and it's just something I want to encourage you to think about. And again, I don't know your situation. I don't know if this would be a good fit or a possibility, but if if it could be a good fit, if it could be a good possibility, I want to encourage you to, to consider that as as one of your options as well. I think it's a, a beautiful thing. And if nothing else, worth praying about. Absolutely right. Another great place to kick off. And Glenn, where would we go from there? Well, I totally agree with, with Jed. I think you definitely, you know, if you're not already, you definitely want to be talking to uh, you know a licensed therapist who can give you more specific advice and i think part of what i would want to look at there is to go over with that professional where is the line of where i need to you know a, a level of mental health where i'm managing things to a certain level of consistency that i can handle the vastly additional amount of stress that you know child raising you know, will bring into that situation. But I think there's, you know, also as Jed is pointing out, there is sort of a, you know, we don't want to get into answering this in sort of a technical way because there's a, a very deep emotional reality going on here. And so let's, let's deal with that. I think um, whatever limitations any of us have, there's a tendency to look at that and say, well, this means I'll never have kids. And I'll never be able to raise kids, and I'll never be able to to do a good job of child rearing. This this thing is limiting me in some sort of way, and I think we can. That just becomes despair. It just becomes a um, a, a thing that we say to just hurt ourselves with, and just a thought that um, it, it's just pure negativity. And then we think, well, okay, the the positive way of looking at that is. Hey, everybody who is a parent is dealing with something. So, you know what? You probably just can wing it and go for it. Uh, that This also is not a healthy way of looking at the situation. In fact, I would suggest to you, as long as you're not having either of those two thoughts of this is never going to happen for me no matter what, on one hand, or, uh, hey, go for it, um, it, it'll all be fine. As long as you're not having either of those two thoughts, you're almost certainly in a good place with this. You're almost certainly dealing with this in a healthy way. Uh, so we want to look at those left and right limits and stay off of them permanently. And what that leaves us with is um, the recognition 
that uh, every weakness that you have can become a strength for you. Uh, but I don't think there's a reason for you to get either on the, the dis- heavy-duty despair end of this or on the, hey, you know, let's just be positive and not prepared in any way and just go for it and, and see how it goes as we <laughs> go through life. Uh, the, it, parenting is a serious thing. You You definitely want to have your ducks in a row for that. Um, but I think it, there's reason for you to uh, reject that despair that the enemy wants to send you. I definitely, definitely agree with that. That's all good stuff from from both of these guys. I, I will throw in here. Um, obviously, missingly, we are now a a for tonight a podcast entirely made up of people who are not parents. But uh, that we, we have all observed parenting from the outside, uh, both in good and bad situations. And as I was thinking about your questions that came in, it occurred to me that I think most of the best parents I know would say that at some point in their lives, including while they were parents, they struggled with uh, some kind of mental health issues, but what made them the, the skills and the issues and the things that made them really, really good parents in my mind is the exact same things that led them to be able to look at that situation and get the help they needed and move on from it and continue to manage it. Because my understanding uh, is parenting throws a lot of things at you. You didn't know could happen. Like there's just vomit in places that you never thought about. And this kid asked a question about a thing that you never even pondered in your entire life. And you have to be able to, to apply things to roll with that. And it seems to me, again, as someone who doesn't have kids as an outsider, a big part of what makes people good parents is wanting to be good parents and wanting to do what is necessary to focus on their child, to focus on their uh, well-being and really give that what it needs. What can make for less than great parenting, we don't want to be judgmental, but is the kind of this exactly this idea that Glenn's talking about, about like, no, nah, I'm probably pretty good at this. I probably got it figured out. I can, I can you know, kind of deal with this as it comes. So does your, does having a struggle in mental health, having a medical condition in that way, make you unfit to be a parent? Absolutely not. What it does mean is you have something you need to address. You need to take steps towards problem solving, towards getting help, towards reaching outside yourself to solve a problem and get wisdom that you didn't have. And if you can do that, your life just in general is going to get better on every every term. And that's going to be the exact same that thing that should you decide to have kids, to adopt, to foster, whatever you might want to do, will make you a good parent in my uh, limited ex- outside experience. But I think there's a lot to that. It is the ability to handle, think, to handle your issues, to deal with things head on that would make you a good parent. And that's exactly the kind of thing that's going to get you help in these struggles moving forward. All right, we're going to jump to our final question here. It comes in and says, Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble, but you are also supposed to have peace. So what does it mean to have peace when things aren't peaceful? Another great question. And Jed, where would we start off? Well, I think we've got a pretty good way to to think about this one. I'll tell you the way that I would think about it. And, you know, hopefully it's useful for you. So whenever you started driving, assuming that you drive, Whenever you started driving, I want you to think back if someone had had brought you, you know, a first car to to have that you could you could drive around. And 
when they gave it to you, they said, in this world, you will have car trouble. This car is going to have issues. It's going to require service. It's going to break down. But take heart. Don't be afraid. We have an amazing mechanic who will figure it out when that happens. It might take a little time. It might take some doing, but we've got this amazing mechanic and he'll figure it out. So you're going to have troubles with this car, but when you do, don't worry, have peace because we got this guy and he can square it away. I think in a sense, that's pretty close to what Jesus is describing here. I think he's saying you're going to have stuff go wrong that you should, you should plan on that, but don't let that discourage you. Don't let that be something that, that concerns you because I'll take care of it. We'll we'll figure it out. I've I've got this. Whatever it is, we'll figure it out. And I think having had a really good mechanic in my life, it is actually there's a lot of peace to be had. It's not that it's fun when your car breaks down because there's no such thing as that, but like there's a lot of peace to be had in the idea of I have someone I can rely on who knows more than I do, who can do more than I can do, who is honest and who will uh, treat me right. Like there is so much more peace, even though something is going wrong. And again, it's, it's not about, Oh great. My car broke down, but it's, I, I know who to turn to. I know that it's someone who can, who can handle this problem and and figure it out. Like that's, that's actually a, a really comforting thing. And so I think that what Jesus again is describing is a sense of, look, when stuff goes wrong and you should plan that it will you may find yourself feeling mad. You may find yourself feeling frustrated. You may find yourself feeling bummed and disappointed. But the one thing that doesn't need to be on that list is being afraid that we can't figure the situation out because we can definitely figure this situation out. You know, if, if, if I, as Lord, am working with you, we can figure this thing out. So that's what it means to me. Again, it's not about pretending to not have negative emotions, but it, I think it is about recognizing that there is peace to be had when we know we've got someone on our side who is able and reliable. Absolutely right. That is a great place to start that off. And Glenn, where do we take it from there? Well, yeah, I, I think that is a, a really good way to, to look at it. I, I mean, let, let's maybe start with this idea. Your circumstances will never give you permission to have peace. And that's just how these things work is whatever you look at with your circumstances is always going to be something that you could look at and say, well, if it wasn't for that, I could, I could be a peaceful person. Um, it's important to recognize that peace is not the absence of trouble in your life it's the presence of God himself. That's what gives us peace. Uh, we think that the trouble somehow overwhelms the peace that can be had from the presence of God, but it, it does not work that way. The, the, our troubles aren't more powerful than the presence of God. The reality is the more troubles we have, the the more we are focused on trying to fix them or deal with them or control them rather than going to God and recognizing that he's in control and trying to to give that control to him of our, of our lives and our thought processes and the way that we are dealing with things. Uh, it's, it's absolutely true that um, not only do we have trouble in this world, but it's also true that the more that we push forward, the more that we grow, 
the more there the enemy wants to mess with that, and the more that the Lord allows a certain amount of that to happen to be a test for us, and we face those obstacles, we overcome those obstacles, and we grow as a result of that. And then when we grow, we find uh, that we have that strength. So when the next crisis comes up, we say, I know how to deal with this. I know what's what this is about. I know how to go to God and give this over to him uh, because he was there for me last time on the exact same thing. I don't want to go through this. I hate this thing that I'm having to deal with. I'm angry about it. I'm frustrated about it. I need to be able to go to God and say all of those things. Uh, but I'm going to God because that's where the peace is. Uh, and I'm not going to get to the peace until I go go through all these other uh, uh, obstacles of anger and, and bitterness and frustration and worry and all those kind of things. It's important to recognize no matter what is going on in your life, if you are looking to find the fear, you will find the fear. Uh, there's always something to be afraid of. There's always something to uh, look at and say, you know, things would be great if it wasn't for this. And um, we can get into that mindset of, I I don't actively have anything going wrong right now, but I'm so afraid of all these different things that I think might happen that I'm in a place of constant, um, a constant sense of disaster, even as nothing is going wrong at all. Uh, there's a lot of problems with that, apart from the complete lack of peace that you're you're talking about here. Um, but it, the, the part of the problem is when we get that much fear going, the way that works in our minds is we say, "I'm tired of waiting for the other shoe to drop and all these things I'm afraid of." Uh, and we end up sabotaging our life until something bad happens, and then we can finally be at peace. And you say, oh, okay, finally these worries have actually happened. I was, I'm just tired of waiting for them to happen. So now now the disaster's here, now I can relax. Uh, it's crazy when I say those things out loud, but that is how our brains work. This is how we think of things. Um, so living a peaceful life in many ways is about recognizing that fear will get us into a place where we will make our worst fears come true. Uh, we will get into a place where we will sabotage ourselves. We will get ourselves outside of that presence of God where we have the perspective of what does this mean and what is this about and how should I think about it. And that's what we want for you, to have that perspective, to, have, to find that peace, uh, because it, it, it will make a huge difference in your life. That's entirely right. Um, in the in the verse you referenced in your question is John sixteen thirty three, and it's really interesting to me that you kind of cut off cut the first half of it out because the other um, part of it gets a lot more play. The whole of John sixteen thirty three is Jesus says, "I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart; I have overcome the world." And I think a lot of people, under for understandable reasons lean on that, uh, take heart, I've overcome the world. But I think you're totally right to want to grapple with that part of in this world, you will have trouble. That's, that's just said as a, as an entire statement of fact. And the things around that about, I've told you these things, you may have peace and I've overcome the world. 
are, are beautiful and comforting and wonderful, but they don't cancel out the trouble in the short term anyway. Um, so I think you're right to look at that as something at those ideas is entirely interrelated as Glenn's pointing us to there. You're going to need something supernatural to have peace in a world like the one we live in. And that is uh, frustrating and can be uh, heartbreaking and can be very unpleasant, but it is just kind of the way things are. And it can be, have some positive aspects if we look for them in that and apply the really, really good strategies these guys gave you, which is of course a wonderful thing. All right. If you have a question for us, say that podcast at gmail.com, the bridge, Chicago.tumblr.com slash ask. You want to keep that entirely anonymous for yourself. You can join us every Sunday at 7 PM central time, facebook.com slash bridge Chicago for our video bridge cast. We are having a lot of fun over there in the chat on Sunday nights. We hope you will come join us. If you can't catch it live, you can catch every episode at your leisure. The videos tab on that same Facebook page. We're going to take out with a song this week, uh, consistent with those ideas we're talking about in that last question about overcoming the world. Take out the live Jed Bridge worship song called Greater Is He, recorded live at our bridge service. Also, you may notice that sometimes those closing songs are hyperlinked. That means you can click on that and enjoy that on Spotify for yourself in a while. Since we plugged that, we have our Bridge Worship album and an entire Pool House Guru album over there on Spotify. Apple Music, wherever you stream your music. LimeWire, if that's still a thing. I'm sure we're you on try. there with the wrong album art and claiming to be an entirely different band. So we'll tell you that. Thanks for listening. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. To say that podcast, we're saying nice things that are encouraging that people like. Apparently, that's why we have a book contract. Just turn back